Today we're celebrating the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, or as we call it in Latin, Corpus Christi. I personally would not be here if it wasn't for the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the reason that I am Catholic. It is the reason that cuts through all the other options, all the other ways to go. It is the reason that I gave my life in vows. It is the reason why I am a priest. The Eucharist is really such an incredible secret that in the beginning of the church, they spoke about it as if it is the secret. It is the greatest treasure that we have. And oh, that I wish that each of us could really truly realize the immensity of God's love given to us in the Eucharist. It's important because it cuts through all the chaos of our world. Hearing all the news recently about what's been going on in the world, about the divisions, about some things rising up that seem to be very ideological, hearing about all the changes throughout the world, I think that at this moment, we have to come back to this most fundamental truth, that God is alive, that God is still the creator of this world, this universe. All things are sustained by this one being, and that he is not far, but he is chosen to give of himself out of infinite love to us. And he gives himself to us by becoming one with us. One in the sense that he was incarnate, the word made flesh, in the, in the sense that he became a human person, or human being rather. He became man in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he becomes one with us right now. He gives us his heart in the Eucharist, the God of love. And he calls us to a worship, a true adoration. I think it's the only thing that cuts through the muck of this time. The only thing that cuts through the haze of all the ideology is to know that God is light and love and that he is giving his light and love to us today. In a scary time, in a difficult time, in a chaotic time, in a changing time, he is my personal rock. In the gospel today, it is John chapter 6, a famous passage, and it's where he says, if you do not eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. For God is our life. And he means it quite literally, so he reinforces it time and time again, saying that this is a spiritual food for you. Not in the sense that it's not also physical, but in the sense that it's the food of your spirit. <laughs> that it's not a uh, simple physical food to get you through the day, 
but it is his body and blood given to us that our soul might be nourished. That we might know that his grace and his spirit is alive. Now, this is the call that Vatican II made so strongly when it says that the Eucharist is a source and summit of the church. This is the call, really, to realize that it is the center of every parish, of every community. This, throughout the world, is the beating heart of the church. It is the heart of Christ. And literally, if you look at the entire world, it is the Mass, it is the Eucharist, that is the center of every church, every community. It is his beating heart that is the center throughout the world. And it, throughout the world, we offer the Father his Son in sacrifice. Not a new sacrifice, but that same sacrifice. We participate in the eternal offering of the Son to the Father. We participate in that offering of the cross. And that is the heart. And so when we look throughout the world, despite the chaos of the world, the injustices of the world, the ideology of the world, we have this beating heart of love to say to us to come and rest. Rest in peace. Now, Many times we have a desire to get out there and get things done, to get out there and to do, to change this world. But, you know, when Mary Magdalene came and wiped the feet of Christ, or when she came and poured her ointment upon his feet and wiped them, Judas was the one that said that ointment could have been used for the poor. And Christ turns and says, the poor you will always have with you. But what she has done, she has done for my burial. And it's true. There is an order to things. And that the world seems to have lost. God is first. And the adoration of him, the worship of him, is first. It comes before any kind of thing, really. I mean, any kind of thing. It definitely comes before um, helping the poor or helping others. It f those things should flow from it. Yes. And um, there are so many passages in the scripture that show that. But they are rooted in, an, in a true adoration. I wonder, how many times a day do you or I actually adore him and worship him? Often we live our life as if we don't. I would encourage you so strongly to punctuate your day with this adoration of the Lord. And you know, if you're alone in a room, you could turn towards the closest church Facing the closest church, where you know the Eucharist is there, you can adore his body and blood present in that tabernacle. For he is there, perhaps even alone, 
not as if God is lonely. God is never lonely. But in a sense, he came here to be with you and we leave him alone. We leave him alone. And so in our hearts we don't, though. So our hearts remain in a spirit of adoration. And hopefully, too, our bodies, our bodies also will come and visit, come and lay down our life before him. So I encourage you on this day of Corpus Christi to be renewed, renewed in this great spirit of adoration, of worship, that you might really realize the immensity of God and his love that's been given to you. And in return, that you might bow down before him, like Mary Magdalene, when she poured the ointment, her precious ointment, the one that was worth a year's worth of work. She poured it out upon his feet. Like that, I hope you realize that in return, this act of thanksgiving, of offering all that we have at the feet of the Lord, is only normal. It's a proper and right action to give him all that we are. We have a couple brothers here, Brother Jerome and Brother Jan, where actually all of us in our religious community are called brothers, but there's two that are what we call simple professed. And the simple professed brothers means that they haven't made their final vows. So it's like uh, if you're getting married and you're just engaged, but you haven't yet got married. For them... They have made temporary vows for three years or so. And now they're going to make their final vows. And we're going to be celebrating it here in Christchurch. Because of COVID, they weren't able to go back to France. And so the time has come where they have to make their vows. So it's been delegated to me to receive them. And I'm quite honored by that because it's very, very, very rare. And normally it's a superior general that has to come and do this. And so if you could keep them in your prayer. But their offering, their offering where they're going to offer their whole lives in poverty, chastity, obedience unto death, is really in the same spirit of Mary Magdalene where she um, laid down her precious ointment, what she has greatest in thanksgiving to to the Lord for all that he has done for her. And so they will offer their lives in poverty, chastity, and obedience until death in an act of, a beautiful act of thanksgiving. So keep them in your prayers, and you're welcome to join us. It's at 6 p.m. on July the 4th. Great, that's a Saturday evening. God bless you.